Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. you would start lowering atmospheric CO2 concentrations. Like people think, oh, can we stabilize them? Or can we make them go up a little bit more slowly? No, you could actually lower them. And over the course of a couple of decades, you could pull out of the atmosphere by just doing nothing, except getting the livestock out of the picture. You could lower uh, atmospheric CO2 concentrations by the equivalent of about 15 years worth of current emissions. I'm Dr. Oz, and this is the Dr. Oz Podcast. Welcome, everybody. I thought today we'd talk about the food plant revolution, how you can actually make food that's good for humans and the environment. And in order to do that, you need to get into the nitty-gritty of actually what is it about food and science that's so confusing. And I want to start off with um, a discussion with two people that are very influential in this space. One of them, a physician who's got a very strong belief system around the benefits of being vegan uh, and arguments that he's making are ones that are embraced and quoted by many others in this space. And the other gentleman actually came from a whole different place. He was on the faculty at Stanford, wasn't at all interested in food in the beginning, but he has built something. Uh, it's actually, it's a meat that, that's made of vegetables. And I'm talking about a garden burger here. I'm talking about literally uh, something that's made with little vegetable proteins bound together that tastes like meat. You can't tell the difference. So let's start off with Neil Barnard. Now, Neil's been on the show a bunch of times. He's a physician. Um, he's an uh, adjunct associate professor of medicine at the George Washington University School of Medicine. Uh, led, you know, tons of research bodies, does a lot of primary research looking at the effects of diet on diabetes and body weight and chronic pain. He's done some groundbreaking studies on type 2 diabetes, which is what he's going to focus on today. And, you know, Neil understands the space so well, and he's not afraid to mix it up. So he was on a panel that I was hosting at the Vatican with Walter Willett, someone that many of you have heard of and who'll be on the show in the future. And the two of them got to mix it up a little bit about exactly how much of a problem fats are. 
And in that argument, I really wasn't sure who won. Neil basically says, you don't want any fats in your diet. And Walter Willis said, we can't correlate fats with illness. But what they both agreed on was there's a problem with meat and diabetes. Something that I hadn't thought that much about, but I want you to hear it from Neil firsthand. Neil, your presentation was spectacular today. Uh, teamed up with four other luminaries who know a ton about food. We're trying to explain what that meant, especially under the filter of the, the, the spiritual path that many in the audience are seeking. We're at the Vatican, after all. I would love for you to summarize your main arguments for why a vegan lifestyle makes a meaningful difference to your health. Not just a little nudge in the right direction, but a dramatic shift, as powerful as many prescription medications. Yeah, I, I really think it's true. And, and it started with studies where you weren't actually changing anybody's diets. You were just looking in observational studies, people following their, their own dietary pattern, and the people who were following vegetarian diets were slimmer and healthier than people following meat-based diets. And then the people who were following the vegan diet, I mean, no animal products at all, they were skinniest of all. Um, and then when you looked at diabetes, dramatically lower rates. Uh, the numbers were in, uh, there's a study called the Adventist Health Study too. They study Seventh-day Adventists because they're not smokers, they don't drink, but some, they differ in diet. So it gives you a great basis for comparison. Among the meat eaters, you see diabetes around 8% of that population. Among the vegans, about 2.9%, something like that. So... But that's just an observational study. So my research team has brought people in, they've got type 2 diabetes, and we put the diet to the test. And I have to say, it just works better than any other diet when it comes to getting the weight off, getting the blood sugar down, getting the cholesterol down, getting blood pressure down. Um, it just really is very, very powerful. So I can understand, like most of listeners can as well, that if you eat less fat, you might get less fat. That's been a, you know, an argument that's been made for decades, if not longer. But you, sh you stunned me anyway, but the magnitude of impact on diabetes, you just brought it up again. What is the reason why eating less fat impacts on diabetes? I, most people think it's sugar. It's a completely different way of viewing the disease. And I got to tell you, 20 years ago, I couldn't, have, I couldn't have said this because we didn't really have the technology. But here's what's happened. If you look inside the cells of the body, specifically the muscle cells. And why muscle cells? Because that's where glucose is going. Your, your muscles are fueled by glucose. Every movement you make, that glucose is your gasoline powering your muscles. If you got, if you got type 2 diabetes, you got the glucose in the blood, it's trying to get into the muscles, but it can't get inside. And the reason is what we call insulin resistance. The, the insulin hormone that's like a key to, that's trying to open the door on that muscle cell to get the glucose inside. The key is in the lock, but it just won't open. That's insulin resistance. Why not? We've looked into the muscles of the body with a special technique called MR spectroscopy, and we found the answer. And the answer is microscopic fat particles. I mean, you can't see these. I mean, they're much smaller than an individual cell. Um, but as they build up, then the insulin attaches to the cell. The fat stops it from being able to do any kind of signaling anymore. It's like trying to walk on a grease-covered floor. You, you slip and you fall. So the, the insulin doesn't work anymore. And so if we use a diet that has no animal fat in it, it has no animal products at all, there's no animal fat, and if we keep oils low, that fat drains out of the cell, and suddenly the insulin can work again. So all those patients who have been saying, I don't eat bread, or I don't eat sweet potatoes, or I don't eat beans, or I don't eat pasta. In our view, that wasn't really the issue. 
The issue is the buildup of these microscopic fat particles inside the muscle cells stopping the insulin from working. You get that fat out, the diabetes improves, and in some cases, it's just gone. It, it goes away. You, you might not know the answer to this. I don't, I don't know if anybody does, but is it more important to lose weight to reduce the diabetes or reduce the fat dramatically enough to activate the mechanism you're speaking to? Fantastic question, and I only know part of the answer. Um, in 2003, NIH funded us to do a head-to-head -head te head -head test of a vegan diet versus a conventional diet. And we found that people's blood sugar con control improved dramatically on the vegan diet. And so we asked your question, is why? How much of it was weight loss? Uh, a lot of it was weight loss. I'm going to say most of it was, probably, but not all of it. Um, so even after you accounted for the weight loss, there was something else. And I suspect that what it is, is you're just not taking fat into your body anymore. And, and I'm talking about even a, a very thin person, say. Um, that person doesn't have much weight to lose, maybe none. But even they improve with this kind of diet. Let's move past human beings to the world we live in. Part of the reason the Vatican was interested in this panel is because we have a higher obligation to protect the place where we live, not just for ourselves, but for our families, for our children, other species. And that ethical dilemma uh, that's created when we don't take care of the planet, <laughs> when we don't take care of the planet, is something that has become ever more apparent. You and others in the panel felt strongly that the single biggest thing we could do to help our planet would be move away from animal sources of fat. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I think now there is really no question that our planet is changing, the environment is being degraded, and that the biggest driver of that is the way we raise food. Now, let me raise my hand and give you a mea culpa because my family, I come from the Midwest. My dad was in the cattle business and his dad and his dad and his dad, and I drove cattle myself to East St. Louis to slaughter. Do you have any pictures of that, by the way? I would have used this. <laughs> Not that I'm going to show you. <laughs> i got to tell you. But here, here's the thing. For, number one, um, cows are not ordering room service. they got to eat something. And so for, to raise food, you're raising corn and you're raising soybeans, and it's acre after acre after. When I go home to Fargo, you should see it. Beautiful. It's, it's as far as the eye can see, corn plants all identical all genetically modified, and same with the soy. And to make it grow, you also need pesticides, fertilizer, um, irrigation. And so then the, the pesticides and fertilizer get into the streams, they get into the rivers, that's degrading the environment too. And then when you feed it to a chicken or um, a pig or something like that, um, all of that pollution is accounted for then by the meat product. If you feed it to a cow, you get something else. A cow is a ruminant animal, unlike a chicken. And so the cow swallows the, the corn and, how do you say this delicately? <laughs> they, put, they bring it back up and they chew, that's it. They chew it again, they bring it back up. And all the while, uh, they are belching methane. Methane is a simple carbon-containing molecule that is very potent as a greenhouse gas. And cows are belching up methane all the time. And that's true if it is a meat, a cow destined for meat, or a cow on a dairy farm. And if you put all the people on this planet on one side of a balance and all the cows on the other side, the cows outweigh us dramatically. I mean, each one is as big as a sofa, and they are belching methane all day long. And so people will say, well, we need to cap smokestacks. And, you know, true. 
uh, drive a smaller car, go hybrid, absolutely. But if we're not changing our diet, then what are we doing? We are destroying the rivers, the streams with all that pollution, and the greenhouse gases are continuing to go into the atmosphere. Is it too late to change? I don't know. I hope not. Um, but we, time is up. I, we do need to change. Got a lot more questions to go, but first, let's take a quick break. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty, beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Well, the statistic that blew my mind was that we have more cows biomass on the planet now than all the other terrestrial beings together times 10. Now, I don't know if I can even validate that because who's ever added up all the biomass of terrestrial animals, but you know, if there's any, any semblance of truth to that statement, it's shocking to everybody. In fact, in the room of 300 luminaries who sort of know this stuff, one person, one person in the very back, an African-American woman put her hand halfway up. That was about all. Uh, for ter in terms of endorsing, but I'd love to hear from you if you think that's even possible. I, I do think it's possible. And the, the difference between the United States and some other areas, in the United States, also in Europe, you don't see these farms anymore, really. They're industrialized, where the animals are often in enclosures. I recently visited a dairy farm in Indiana. You're not going to see it from the highway. They got 32,000 cows inside there. Um, so I, I think it is true. Let's, uh, let's heat up the debate between you, Walter Willett, and others about weight loss and dietary advice. So assuming that we got the high-level stuff right, you know, don't, don't drink uh, trans fats. <laughs> don't, uh, don't, don't do the things that most people agree are sabotage, simple carbohydrates, and, and, the, and the like. How important is it to reduce fat intake in order to lose weight? You argue 
it's vital, and your own data has reflected that. Others like Walter uh, Willard, well-known Harvard researcher, argue that doesn't seem to make as much of a difference. I keep reading studies saying basically count nutrients, don't count calories. So break it down for us. Yeah, it's, it's a huge debate right now, and, and we're going to see where, where, where it ends up. But here's, here's what my experience has shown and what our research studies have shown, is that if your goal is to help a person to either lose weight or to reverse their diabetes, that's where I'm zeroing in, not just on the bad fat, that's the, the butter fat or the, the palm oil or something like that, but I'm really zeroing in on, on all fats and even, even extra virgin olive oil. You know, <laughs> you know, and, and the reason, no, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. It's a better fat. You know, it's not going to harm your arteries the way butter will, but all fats have nine calories packed in every single gram. That's more than carbohydrate, more than protein. It's the calorie dense food. So if a person is trying to lose weight and yet they're eating fatty foods, they're going to have trouble. And I have good friends who will look at walnuts and almonds and olive oil. And these are foods that you'd have to say are healthy. You know, if there's a healthy fat, that's it. But you can make a person's weight loss just grind to a halt by, by digging into those foods because they are so fatty. And, and the other thing is, not, are they, not only are they dense in calories, but if, if you eat bread, you eat a loaf of bread, and eventually that can turn into body fat, but it's hard for your body to turn bread into fat. Yeah, if you have to break down the glucose molecules to turn fat into fat, really easy for the body. Um, there's no metabolic cost to it. If you eat a little bit too much olive oil, it's like in your thighs. So very easy. Yeah, Walter argues that when he looks at the raw data from other studies, the amount of fat pe that people eat doesn't seem to correlate with weight loss, perhaps because it satiates you. The best example I'll pick is, is, is dairy. I'm unaware of data showing that skim milk helps you lose weight any more than whole fat milk. Both of them might be an issue, and for you probably they are, but there's not an incremental benefit of torturing yourself with skim milk if you don't like the taste because you want to get that satiated feeling from elsewhere. Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I, I don't know if anyone's ever really put it to the test in a good way. S milk is a really interesting one because if you take whole milk, the main nutrient in it is fat, bad fat, saturated fat. You take all that out. Now I've, I've got skim milk or non-fat milk. The main nutrient in non-fat milk is sugar. It's lactose sugar. It's a, looking a whole lot like a soda at that point. Um, which it, it, I don't mean to say that, that it's bad to take the fat out of the milk. I think it is. But they should take the sugar out too and take the hormones out. And take, uh, in fact, take it all out and you'll be left with a glass of water. <laughs> Rewarding as always. Neil, appreciate it, my friend. Sure. Thank you. That's Neil Barnard. And I'll tell you, at least he gets you to think differently about stuff. He's very passionate, very opinionated. This is an area of evolution. It's very difficult to study how food affects humans because you can't put humans in randomized trials where you say, okay, this group of people only eats meat for 10 years and that group gets no meat for 10 years. But when you look at some of the data that he has, uh, even if it's not based in humans, you at least have to ask the question whether the, the meat that we're eating is potentially uh, responsible for some of the diabetes that we're seeing in addition to other potential health problems. Now, with that in mind, a lot of you are sitting saying, oh God, Dr. Oz took my meat away now. I'm not going to eat broccoli and kale the rest of my life. You know, I might live longer or maybe it'll just seem like it. And so saying that uh, brings up the possibility that we might be able to engineer meat that's different. So I want you to meet Pat Brown. Uh, Pat Brown uh, started something called Impossible Meats. This is literally meat that tastes like meat, looks like meat, has heme in it, which is iron, but it has no actual animal products in it. Take a listen to Pat Brown. I was fascinated in our discussion yesterday about the numbers you rattled off 
about the changes in biomass mm-hmm. on the planet. In particular, a statement that I've been thinking about since you mentioned it, which is we have 10 times more biomass of cows now than all other terrestrial beings put together. All other uh, wild vertebrates uh, put together. So if you can, share with the audience. So the, giraffes, the, pandas, crocodiles, frogs, birds. Ten times more cows. And what was it? Uh, probably way more than ten times. But um, I, I, so there was a, a guy, uh, a, an ecologist named Vaclav, Vaclav Smil, who uh, uh, is someone you would probably enjoy talking to, who did a calculation about uh, five years ago and came up with a similar estimate. And I thought, okay, um, I'm not, I'm not going to believe it until I do the math myself. And so I spent uh, – actually, I was anticipating this, this meeting and kind of because – I'm going off on a tangent, so I'm sorry – because Pope Francis uh, um, has been quite explicit and even in his talk today about um, our responsibility to other creatures on earth and so forth. I thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really do the diligence on this. Uh, because I think this is something that nobody really knows, and it's horrifying. And except that if they ask themselves, when was the last time? Uh, the last time I drove across country, whether it was the U.S. or Europe or Costa Rica or you name it, what animals did I see? Right, cows, cows and sheep, the occasional prairie dog or you know squirrel or crow or something like that. But it's pretty much that. So it's kind of consistent with everybody's experience. But yeah, I just thought I wanted to check it up. So I did a ton of research. I dug up a bunch of papers, uh, and there's really no systematic research. But that there's a, you you could look at a couple of papers that look at okay, what's the total density of vertebrates uh, in the Serengeti or in Kenyan rangelands or in the Patagonian forest or uh, you know, the Canadian tundra or whatever. And I looked at, you know, dozens of these papers and did a very conservative estimate, summing them all up. Uh, and that's where I got my number. Uh, and I'm actually thinking that because there's never been a paper that really uh, put this all together, you know, in a scientific journal, that I may write up a paper about it, even though it's not original research, it's just a compilation of, of stuff. You also pointed out cha- massive changes that have happened uh, as we have moved more and more towards eating cows. And you actually showed slides comparing the, the, the inefficiency of different sources of animal meat. Mm-hmm. I, I, this you know, almost encyclopedic, in fact it was, if I knew better, I'd throw away Google because I've got you next to me now, uh, was uh, it stunned the audience. And I, I think it's a nice way of revisiting something we think we already know, which is making animals is expensive for society. Mm-hmm. But it also seems to dwarf a lot of the other things we would prefer to blame, like coal-fired plants and exhaust from cars. It turns out the animals that we're eating and how, what we do to, in order to make that possible is changing the world in ways most of us never anticipated. Oh, absolutely. So... Um just categorically, the use of animals in food production technology um, is responsible for more greenhouse gases than the entire transportation sector. That's something I think that is, 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 at least in certain circles, pretty well known. It's also by far the biggest user and polluter of fresh water. Um, it uses somewhere between a quarter and a third of all the fresh water on Earth. And it occupies about half of Earth's land surface. To me, that is both the most... Um, kind of shocking and yet true shocking number half you know you take 
all the land, everything that's not covered by ice or water on Earth, okay, uh, and tally up what fraction of it is being used, actively being used, uh, grazing livestock or raising feed crops for livestock. It's half of all the land on Earth. It's a land area devoted to raising animals for food, bigger than North America plus South America plus Australia plus Europe, um, devoted to that. Growing all the time because the demand is growing. And that's land that not only previously supported uh, biodiversity, wildlife, but also plant biodiversity. You know, when you change, when you replace uh, the native creatures with um, cattle and sheep, it not only, uh, um, you know, displaces all the other wildlife there because they're competing for a very limited photosynthetic productivity, it changes uh, uh, the plants that grow there because different different animals... Uh, um, you know, have different grazing patterns, different patterns of walking around and so forth. So we've, we're trying to homogenize. I mean, not, no one's trying to do this, but effectively what we're doing is we're homogenizing the surface of Earth to basically be that simple ecosystem that supports, you know, livestock. So there's a, a calculation I did, but I can point to the original scientific research that basically shows that, that uh, if you could thought experiment, snap your fingers, make the land base animal food production go away. And now just allow the uh, um, vegetation that had existed on the land before it was put to that purpose to recover. You would immediately start doing something that no one even contemplates. You would start lowering atmospheric CO2 concentrations. Like people think, oh, can we stabilize them? Or can we make them go up a little bit more slowly? No, you could actually lower them. And over the course of a couple of decades, you could pull out of the atmosphere by just doing nothing except getting the livestock out of the picture. You could lower uh, atmospheric CO2 concentrations by the equivalent of about 15 years' worth of current emissions. That, to me, is, is, is magical. And this is one of, the, one of the things that most motivates me. So the mission of my company is to completely replace animals in the food system by 2035. And we're dead serious both about that goal and the, the, the timeline because it's so urgent. And if we can make this happen over the next couple of decades, I think, you know, it solves so many problems. It gets rid of, uh, uh, it, well, it turns back the clock on on uh, on uh, greenhouse gas emissions and and uh, climate change. It relieves the biggest source of pressure on the fresh water supply, which is um, probably uh, the biggest single source of uh, trigger of of conflicts and you know regional and warfare and so forth. And the other biggest source is conflict over land. And this is, so here's, here's another interesting statistic which I can give you the data for. If you take uh, all the cities on earth, or another way of looking at it, if you take every structure, building, highway, road, beautiful wall um, on earth, and you put them all together, they occupy a land area of about half a percent of earth's surface. It's one one hundredth of the area occupied by land-based animal farming. Um, so people think of like, oh, man, we're going to mess up with ecosystems because the cities are expanding into farmland and so forth. That is completely wrong. It's the farmland that's the problem. The cities add up to virtually nothing. And um, for all practical purposes, the land footprint of humanity is animal farming, full stop. There's last more to come after the break.
you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful Beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. You're a professor at Stanford. Yeah. What was your specialty? Um, well, I was trained as a pediatrician, um, but when I uh, but then I did postdoc um, in molecular biology, virology, studying how the AIDS virus replicates, and and that's why I started doing it at Stanford. But then, um, relatively early on, I started uh, when I saw that the genome was on the horizon. I started developing tools for uh, basically being able to look at. Um, the expression and the behavior of all the genes in the genome at once, and um, called DNA microarray, and that, um, and then I started applying that to both kind of like fundamental biological problems related to you know how the cells program themselves and so forth, and the diversity of cells in your body and so forth, and also cancer diagnostics, um, and a bunch of other things. I mean, I actually, um, someone in my lab did the first study that. Uh, um, uh, comprehensively described how a newborn baby acquires its microbiome. Um, so, and the great thing was, because I was at Stanford and I was supported by Howard Hughes, I could literally do anything I wanted. I was the best job in the world. You may think you have a pretty good job and you probably have a pretty good gig, but I, I, I could basically just get a new idea and start working on it and have the resources to do it and great colleagues and students and so forth. So that's what I gave up to take on this you know, this mission of impossible foods. And, and I have no qualms about it, but, but boy, I have it good, good uh, in my Stanford career. Yeah, I look forward to the name of the company being changed to Not Impossible Foods. Pat Brown, thank you very much. Sure, thank you. So that's Pat Brown. He, you know, this guy, by the way, uh, got his MD and PhD in biochemistry at the University of Chicago, uh, was at Stanford, you know, developing DNA microarrays. You know, forget about all the stuff. You'd never have to know it. But this is a true basic scientist guy, you know, that the new technologies that he's making uh, allow us to look at how genes in a genome work. I mean, what the heck is he doing making meat? Well, 
He looked around and realized that there was a way to make delicious, affordable meat and dairy products directly from plants. And he thought, if I could do that, it's better for the consumers, but it's especially better for the environment. And then he began to quote a bunch of facts that you all, I hope, heard, that we have 10 times more cow biomass than all other wild terrestrial beings put together. Think about that. That's why when you drive along on a road, you see mostly cows. You know, you don't see giraffes, obviously, but you don't even see horses that often. Were, were you aware of that, Lisa? No, not to that degree. And what, what caught your attention? Because you were in that panel uh, and you heard how passionate he was about the environment, even more so than human health. Well, yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to deny the repercussions of eating a, a meat, an animal product-based diet. So, so what, did you, what caught your attention on what Pat Brown was saying? Well, certainly the uh, impact on the environment of eating meat and the fact that we're going to be, we're already over 7 billion people, I think, and um, just eating meat uh, is not sustainable, especially as the rest of the world models their diets on ours. So, Well, I tell you, what caught my attention is you've got a guy, Pat Brown, who's a member of the National Academy of Sciences and the Institute of Medicine, right? He's gotten a, the American Cancer Society Medal of Honor. This is huge. He's also brilliant. Yeah, but he's a member of our most respected organizations, and he's out there saying it can't go on. We don't actually have the ability to make enough meat for all the people on the planet. Literally, you couldn't do it. And it, you know, leads to lots of things that no one wants to talk about, you know, pollution and energy consumption. I get all that. But here's the part that works me up. You and I and all the people listening right now, we're actually paying a lot of money to make sure that meat is cheap. That's right. If you don't know it, wake up. Meat is probably a third the price, maybe half the price of it would be if it wasn't for subsidies. And it's not bad people doing bad things, but every part of the chain from the people who are making the soy or whatever the, the, yeah, the, the cows you're eating. And then you have the energy to transport the product that costs money. And, and, then, and then, you know, the retail areas, everything costs money and it's all subsidized. So it's made more affordable. And I'm saying, hey, listen, why don't we just either subsidize the vegetables as much so the broccoli is one third the price, so are the tomatoes, or subsidize none of it, which is where I land. Just let it, let let business run. I think we're all Americans. We believe in competition. I'm an entrepreneurial person. Uh, you know, as long as it's an equal playing field, let everyone just earn their money. I don't want to hurt anybody's business. Just don't subsidize people to do stuff because you perversely influence the process. So take away the, the subsidies from the things that we don't really believe are good for us. Uh, or at least give equal amounts, if not more, to the foods we think are good for us. But you listen to Pat Brown and Neil Barnard and Walter Willett and all these famous, iconic figures participating in this Vatican pa- panel on, on the food plant revolution, I began to appreciate and respect much more why the, the, the Pope had, pull, had pulled together these folks. Because what he's basically saying is there are opportunities for do, to do things that are good for humans and for the environment and for the, and, and the planet, uh, where, which we are the custodians of. And the temple of the soul, our body, has to be protected. And so for us to ignore the opportunities to improve everything around us by making wiser food decisions is, is not the right thing for us to do. It's, it doesn't fulfill our spiritual journey. So think about that, guys. Happy eating.
You dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.